Bye. Short Bus Debate Club. It's a bus. Rolling. I can get on board. <laughs> Hello, I'm Darren Jolly. <laughs> it's time to get this short bus started. So let's roll. And on with the show. Hello, writers of the short bus. This is Brian Courtney. And as always, Darren Jolly is across the table from me. Hello. When you said riders on the short bus, it sounded like this. Riders on the short bus. Dun, 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 dun. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's sort of funny because we're going to talk about the Blues Brothers in uh, the entertainment episode, and they did a pretty good version of that in that movie. Did they do Riders in the Storm on mm-hmm. that? Oh, I don't even remember that. I guess I gotta rewatch it again pretty quick here. Yeah, you need to get closer to the fucking mic, dude. Okay, I'm very, very close to the mic. Um. Okay, so this class, we are going to talk about taxes. And, you know, it's a, a pretty complex topic, I guess. I mean, because mainly we're going to talk about federal taxes, right? We're going to talk about taxes. But obviously... Besides the federal taxes, you know, you've got state taxes, fuck, there's property taxes, sales tax. Um, I mean, they fucking try to get money out of us pretty much any way they can. There's a lot of taxes out there. Yeah, fuck, now, I don't know about other jurisdictions throughout the country. I'm guessing they're doing something similar, but if you go to, like, over, like, where I used to live in that newer Inglewood area, even though it's the older Inglewood area. Um, the, the northwest corner over there. They have... Where the, uh, the where, movies. Where, like, Costco is and all of that stuff. Yeah. That, you, sh- that, was, that was a driving movie. Yeah, there. Cinderella Twin yeah. was there. Um, they have what they call a PIF, which is a... I can't remember. Proper project and improvement fund or property improvement fund or something like that. And then out in Golden at certain areas, they have something similar. And so basically, you know, sales tax on average throughout the metro area is probably about 8%. Um, but they tack on an extra 0.75, I think, for the PIF. And I think some of them might be RIFs and LIFs. Um, but so the, the, that tax amount is going to be designated towards specific improvement concepts. Is that well, allegedly what that's yeah, the allegedly is the important part because <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen any improvements over there where Costco and Target and all of that shit are since they built it and they're still charging the fucking PIF. Um, but that's an example of them taxing us and them not calling it a tax so that people just don't say anything, I guess. Well, I mean, how, like, for, like, a regular person, for you to be able to, I mean, tax lawyers and fucking, you know, accountants and anybody that has, like, a formal relationship, because their formal relationships are always going to be with, like, specific designations of tax, not with... The tax that they charge is just so that they could fucking build the Bronco Stadium, shit like that. Like, I I was gonna talk about that because that still pisses me off. Well, you know that. So not the tax itself, 
but what they did, because, you know, there was Mile High Stadium, and they built the new one. And they asked all of the people, and it, you had to be within the city and county of Denver. So any of the suburbs didn't count. But city and county of Denver, they had a vote. You want to keep the name Mile High Stadium, or can we sell it and save the taxpayers some money? Well, everybody was like, fuck you. You can't sell the name. It's Mile High Stadium. You call it Mile High Stadium. And the mayor at the time did a press conference and he's like, you know what? We decided to go ahead and sell it. So we're going to call it Invesco Stadium or Invesco Field. And we are saving the taxpayers one and a half cents. Not one and a half cents per day, but for every taxpayer within the city and county of Denver, they saved them one and a half cents by selling the name to Invesco. That's not even a very good sellout. I mean, as far as sellouts go. No, it was bullshit. But that was an example of them not trying to take money from us. Um, they actually had a vote, though. I mean, mm -hmm. that's a fucking crazy thing to do in the first place. That's a lot of a lot of money to spend on a vote that you don't even... It just wasn't legally binding? How do you, how do you have a vote? I like don't that? understand how they got away with not doing it. But when... Because the city and county of Denver, even with Coors Field, they built Coors Field or whatever the fuck it's called. It's still called Coors Field, yeah. I, 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 I know mean, they changed the name of Fiddler's Green to something. Um, so they're because there are all these name changes. Because Invesco is not Invesco anymore either. It's yeah, what it's, cannabis it's lane like, or it's some like shit. Seven times. I mean, it was Sports Authority, then Sports Authority went bankrupt. There were several different names. Right. Um. Anyway, they they used city bonds to build said buildings or or stadiums. And city bonds. So like they sold the bonds or Yeah, they oh, sold yeah. the bonds in order to come up with the money to build the stadium. And so technically the taxpayers were included, I guess. And so they were supposed to ask, and, well, they they did ask, but I so guess they spent, just didn't give a fuck what they said. $3.7 million to run a fucking election. I mean, of course, I'm just picking a number out of my rectum, you know, but you spend a significant sum of money to allow people to vote, and ultimately, through the voting, it was just to ask for input with regards to something that they weren't going to hold to either way. I know it's ironic. They never do that. <laughs> so <laughs> we're, we're going to talk about a lot of things, but I, there's a, there's a lady. Uh, one thing that I've been looking on a lot lately is this, this thing called modern monetary theory. And like there, there are a lot of interesting things that, that, that are brought up through modern monetary theory. Um, but uh, there's one book that I had just uh, been going through. I, it's the second time I've gone through it. Um, and the, the book's got a lot of uh, a lot of copy uh, over the course of the last several years. Um, the lady who wrote the book's name was Stephanie Kelton. Uh, the book is called The Deficit Myth. Um, but one of the things that she was really uh, trying to focus on uh, in the book was the idea when people talk about governmental expenditures, right? 
when you have something like, say, Pago, right? Pago's a, if you want to have a new program that's going to cost money, then you have to find a place to fund that or else you can't create the program. You have to pay as you go, right? So um, the main argument of the book is when people talk about budgets, and we'll get deeper into the specifics of this as we go further into it. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not trying to get too far along. Um, but when you talk about budgets, a lot of times when you listen to, and it doesn't matter whether it's a big R Republican or big D Democrat, um, when people talk about expenditures, they talk about uh, the budgets of the government in the same way that one would talk about the budgets of a house. Like, but these are ultimately, this is a false comparison. Well, it Let's, sort of is. Let me, Go let me finish what I'm saying, okay? It is a false comparison, just one way or another. Yeah. We'll get we'll get into that, but it is it is it is not the same thing. And one one of the main ways that she discusses this is that we are not capable of in our house printing money, right? We can't create uh, ways to pay for something out of, out of thin air, whereas the government can. And whether that's a good thing, whether that's a bad thing, what it means, you know. Again, we'll get we'll get into that later, but there there's a quote that she uses at the very beginning of the book, and she sort of like brings this quote up several times throughout. And uh, regardless of whether or not you buy into what it is that I'm saying here, um, I do think that it's important. It's a Mark Twain quote, quote and it's uh, it ain't what you know that gets you into trouble. It's what the, it's what you know for sure that just ain't so. And I think that when we think about things like taxes, there are very specific epistemological frameworks that. Uh, are are rooted in all these assumptions that we, we we drive at when we talk about taxes and deficit spending and you know budgets and whatnot and uh, it turns out that I mean if if you sit there and you look at the way that we spend money on the military and and how readily we are to deficit spend as it relates to a specific uh, industry and uh, state related we'll say a state related industry. Um, because, of course, you know, governments are supposed to be the legitimate bodies that are capable of waging war or whatnot, or defense. Um, we have to understand that while in a certain moment the money goes into those spaces, we print the money, you know, we, we move the, the digital numbers from here to there almost immediately when it comes to those things. And then when all these other things come up, there's like this immediate rhetorical you know, you can't spend that. You can't deficit spend in relation to that. But the the, the point that I'm I'm just trying to point out here is that taxes, as it relates to these various different things, it's not just as simple as balancing a budget. It's not just as simple as we have to collect enough taxes to pay for these 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 uh, activities that we ask for our government to do, whether it's infrastructure, whether it's education, whether it's military, whatnot. Uh, there, it, the, these questions are a lot more complicated than just uh, a household budget. That I I agree with. They are much more complicated. Um, but I was going to use the example. So whenever a vote comes up in Congress to raise the debt ceiling, everybody's like, no, no, you can't do that. Fuck that. We don't want to pay more taxes. Well, it's happening right now, coincidentally. Raising the debt ceiling does not necessarily equate paying more taxes. It is, we are going to go into more debt. 
And so I've been developing this analogy in my head for a couple of days now, and I have been having some trouble because I thought, well, I was using he, she's, and maybe I should just use they and there. But so here's here's the thing. Where your difficulty was coming from? Well, pronoun. <clears throat> so I don't think people quite understand, and some people do, maybe, but to okay. If you are a head of household, let's say you're a head of household and you practice polygamy. So you have several husbands or wives. And let's pretend that there are or non-binary. Eight of you jammed into like a 600 square foot house. So you're living on top of each other and you're just irritating the fuck out of one another constantly. But everybody is generating revenue, and said revenue, portions of it go to the head of household so that he can pay for the one car that they have, the house payment, all of that stuff. Um, the rest of the money they can do with what they will. Um, you know, they can go to nightclubs and go to fucking farmer's markets or whatever. Um but a portion of that is going to go to the head of household to pay for everything. So they only have one car and there's eight of them. Everything's a pain in the ass. So what they would do is look at their debt to income ratio and figure out if they can afford to do more. Now, of course, they can't afford to go buy a new house in cash or buy two new cars in cash, but they need two more cars and they need a bigger house or maybe multiple houses like they did in Big Love um, so that everybody's not living on top of each other. They would look at their debt to income ratio and say, okay, we can afford this. Um, so let's, let's go ahead and do that. Um, now, Again, this is the finance part of it. So that may or may not mean that all eight of those people are putting in more to buy the cars in the house. They probably do have to dip into their disposable income, but maybe not. My point is, is that that household of eight is going to go into debt in order to make things better for themselves. Now, the government is also doing that to some degree when they raise the debt ceiling. But again, that doesn't mean that every time they raise the debt ceiling that we're going to have to pay more taxes. Sorry, I know I talked a long time. No, you're fine. Way. No, I mean, I, I, I get that. But I mean, so like one of the big problems that I have, I understand the concept of debt makes it parallel on a certain level. But again, uh, your, your polygamous, your, your theoretical polygamous family cannot print its own money. No, I understand that. I was just trying to help people understand that just because you go into more debt doesn't necessarily mean you're going to those other seven people that are paying to the head of household. They're not necessarily going to be paying more. 
that was that was the only point and that was the only example i could think of that would help somebody understand kind of the difference between debt ceiling deficit spending and taxes so in that sense what you're saying because it's it's similar to the debt ceiling because because now they have to go into debt because they went and bought two new cars and a new house so that they weren't living on top of each other but they're not necessarily putting more they're not necessarily giving more to the head of household because whatever they sold their shitty 600 square foot house and you know that helped pay for the new house whatever the case is i i didn't want to get into finance i was just trying to illustrate the fact that debt ceiling doesn't necessarily mean we're paying more in yeah okay uh, they're, they're they're not yeah it's not necessarily i mean well and part of the reason why i like the way that she was talking about it and again there's a ton of problems with with regards to the mmt uh spaces monetary theory mmt um is along the lines of what it is that you're saying like there are so many assumptions with regards to so like and, and every time we come back we're back at the debt ceiling space right now mccarthy they, they got it through the house today uh it will not get through the senate unless um they get a lot more people to get on board there are all these rhetorical uh suggestions in the way that the they said we're going to raise the debt ceiling but we have to cut spending right so they there's this laundry list that's that stupid fucking republican argument that's been going on since fucking reagan and has trickled down economics dude yeah but it's but still because of people's relative deficiency in understanding the way that and dude it's complicated it really is messy and the united states is such a weird case in point because there's this idea that she uses over and over again sovereign currency right and her idea is that if you have the ability to print money then you have the ability to, to create these demands and these various different kind of the stuff that developed out of the great depression right being able to produce this the, these uh you know you, you build the hoover dam you build the interstate highway system you do all these various different things and you don't have to have the money come in first to do it you create the movement of money and then the money starts circulating so then it just starts moving but moving back and forth the only reason i didn't like her argument on that and i'm i'm gonna admit i didn't read the whole book and you have so maybe she covered this somewhere down the road but when you like if the u.s government just says fuck it i'm gonna print two billion dollars today well then now there's two billion dollars in the market which is nice everybody you know gets an extra couple of bucks but he talks the, about inflation, dude. Okay, so there is inflation and there's devaluation. I, I mean, both. And if they both occur at the same time, then that's trouble. But, okay, sorry, I, I interrupted you. No, again, no, all, all, all that say is, of course, she can't. you cannot talk about printing money unless you talk about inflation. And that is her primary, you know, like the big the big concern is when you start to create these artificial spaces where you're, 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 you're pushing the money around. Uh, you, you have to be really careful because you don't want so much money out in the, you know, I mean, and that's the same. So like Larry Summers, uh, who was one of Obama's big uh, money guys, he's a total fucking jackass. He blames everything on workers and workers money. Um, there's all these discussions that because of the checks that came out uh, during COVID, 
that that was what it was that caused this in, this inflation spike right now. So Larry Summers and like a lot of people that are traditional like neoliberal economists uh, that talk about you know their idea of free markets, which is not free markets if you look at the way that they talk about them. But again, that's a a different discussion for a different day. Um, they don't want to talk about the fact that you know you had these billions, hundreds of billions of dollars, sometimes trillions of dollars that were being pumped into the banks, being pumped into the uh, the 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 uh, the cruise the cruise liner industry pumped into the airline industry all these different industries that were going to be hurt when the the pandemic closed closed down and the way that they took uh, many of these companies went and did these stock buyback things that drove up the value of their current their uh, stocks and then they sold off huge portions of their stocks at the peak and I mean literally it was like the greatest you know reallocation of wealth to the top one percent that even though but in those spaces, they don't they don't talk about that, and because that's a huge amount of money that ended up going into the this system, way more than the amount of money that went to you and I. And to be perfectly honest, I don't whatever the total number was, five thousand maybe after all the checks went out, five thousand dollars is gone in in five minutes. Well, and that's another thing is that everybody thinks that the only way that the government gets money is by, and, and I shouldn't say everyone. Um, but it's, common, it's, it's, it's by by taxes, yeah. and the fact is that something for like the uh, the COVID checks, you know, to help stimulate the economy or or at least keep the economy going, mm-hmm. because admittedly they fucked us to begin with by shutting down the economy. But so to stimulate the economy, then maybe they don't raise taxes. Maybe they sell bonds again. Another way for the government to get money. And then they get money coming in on this side. And then you get, you know, huge countries like China who buys a bunch of bonds or France or whoever. Or individuals can buy U.S. savings bonds. And that's a way for them to generate money. Essentially, you are buying stock in the government. Which such a weird thing though when she was talking about sovereign currency which is how i ended up kind of getting in this i think it's a total misnomer because so she creates this distinction between so like all the stuff that came out of 2008 uh, where the housing the bubble happened the crash occurred um countries like greece countries like uh, spain italy portugal they don't have the ability to, because they don't have access to their, they're not capable of printing euros. Right. Right. And they don't have the drachma in Greece anymore. Right. Which like, it's funny. Like one of my favorite guys to listen to, he's kind of a smug prick. But do they not have it or do they not utilize it? They don't have it. When, they, when they gave up, when they signed on to the Euro, they were no longer allowed to, to, to use that currency anymore. Cause I know when I was in great Britain and this was before Brexit, or I, I should say when I was at Heathrow Airport in London, that I could use pounds or euros. But that's because, so when, and this is an, this is an important distinction, why the, the UK is such an interesting case study relative to all those. So they signed on to be a part of the European Union, but they were not going to take on the currency. They, they kept their currency. They kept their sovereign currency independent. They never, they never flipped over into the euro entirely. Well, I could do it though in Romania and Germany too. They both had their own 
their own currency or the euro. So generally, like when I was in Romania, I wouldn't buy anything in euros because the exchange rate fucking sucked. I mean, it was almost the equivalent of, I think it was doing better than the dollar at the time. So it would have cost me more if I used the euro. But when I used the Romanian, whatever the fuck they call it, it was four to one one time I went out there, six to one one time when I went out there. So I was fucking just rich as shit. But I'm, so I'm just saying, I don't know why Greece would have been the only one. They aren't the only ones. They might have still had that currency around, but, they but were it not still wasn't to, worth shit. They, and they weren't allowed to, they weren't allowed to print it. Like when, once they signed on, which is part of the reason why. So, uh, Shariza, which is a, a political party in Greece, I think it was 2012, in, in the wake of w- what happened then, they got voted into um, power because they were talking all kinds of shit about the way the EU had screwed them because they were not capable of printing their own currency again. Um, they were sort of like existing at the whims of the European Central Bank, right? And because they were the ones, they were like the Fed. It's like the Fed out there, right? And I think it, uh, it's not, I can't remember where they're at, but uh the point is, is that like in several interviews that I've listened to with Vera Fox, because he ended up being the finance minister in that time period. So he'd have to go to all these EU meetings where they'd talk about, so we'll bail, bail you out and we'll kick you, you know, uh, 780 million euro, you know, or 80 billion. Not, I can't remember. There were big numbers and we're going to kick them down to you. And Vera Fox would say, but that's going to help us for you know, maybe 18 Six months, months or but whatever. yeah, we're, but we're going to end up getting, we're, we're going to default on that debt. And this is so essentially we're going to be locked into a debt cycle, you know, that we're never going to be able to get out of, um, which is what makes Europe because they're not allowed to. And I'm sure on some level, I, I don't know the, the, the hyper specifics of it. And I don't know how, like, because Romania was not somebody when the EU was originally created, they were not immediately, right. they, they were people that were pulled in later. So there might've been something where they were allowed to sort of keep a certain amount of uh, transitional freedom as they were getting brought into the EU um, as time wore on. Uh, but they did not have, they're not allowed, part, part of it is that you, you, get, you get inside of that space where you're a part of the currency and you're not allowed to print your own to where it would be a balancing mechanism. So what would end up happening is, is that when things started to go shitty, uh, the bonds, if they sold any bonds through uh, their their government that would co- directly connect to the Greek Greek bonds, inflation would be huge. They'd be fucked. So it's like each country was standing on their own relative to what their financial position well, was. Well, and they all fell like dominoes. I like, mean, our housing yeah. market crashed, and then it was Greece, and then it was Spain, yeah. and then Ireland. Portugal, and then fucking Italy. And uh, I mean, it just... Ireland was not part of the UK islands. Yeah, they all got fucked. Yeah, very, very, very. Uh, but I mean, like one of the things that like I remember, and I, I this is stuff that I don't know well enough, but like the article, Articles of Confederation, part of the thing that they were primarily concerned about, because that was kind of the same thing that was happening when the Article of Confederations was created before they did the Constitution, all that they needed to make sure they knew that if they didn't bring everybody under the same economic space, then you would have all these random currencies. And Obviously, like we we talked about, what we didn't well, dude, have a regular currency mean, until much later. Yeah, like, until nineteen fourteen or some, some shit. Yeah, uh-huh. and uh, a lot of, a lot of weird shit happened during World War One and World War Two when it came when it was related to that too. Because 
of the gold standard stuff, and that that was the first they they went off the gold standard. I got rid of that, and and then they came back on it. Seventy. 71, 71, 71 was when they okay. finally got off it entirely. Well, when we finally got off it entirely, which is the weirdest fucking thing in history. I think it's the stupidest thing. Why? Well, because, again, I mean, I think they did it because of what you're talking about. Now we can just print money. But before, we, it was kind of like, uh, I don't know, you know, a bank having to have a certain amount of money to cover the deposits in the bank um, or a casino having to have a percentage of whatever's on the floor. You broke the bank. Right. <laughs> um, so the gold standard meant that the dollar was always going to be worth X. Because it was convertible. Because it was backed yeah. by something. And now it's not backed by anything other than the word of it. <laughs> this is a very, very, very important thing. No, I, I mean, I, and I think that's so like, and it was sort of inching like, like with, when it happened during World, War, during World War I on a certain level, it happened during World War II on a certain level. The Bretton Woods Agreement came out of World War II, where again, we're like back and, you know, everything's backed by the full faith uh, of the U.S. government because of Fort Knox and all that shit. But at some point in time, if it was going to start to move to where these things were sort of connecting more clearly, it had to move into an abstract space. And like the thing that you said about China or South Korea or Japan or Saudi Arabia or anybody that would be holding a ton of our, our bonds, an interesting thing happens in that moment where... So one thing that you've talked about, we talked about like off the air is, is what if they, they flooded the market with, with that, with that position? Well, not just, that. not just those bonds. Like, okay. So calling back the loans and saying, Hey, we want, we want the money you owe us. Oh yeah. By the way, we're going to flood the market with all the fucking tourist dollars that we have over here. And you know, well, the, the bonds the loans come, the bond, the bonds and they come, they come in the form of bonds. The loans aren't just, they don't just lend us that money. That money is is purchased through the dollars that they hold, okay, and the and and the bonds. It's not like they say, "Hey." But I thought they were two separate things. You know, there's no money that they give us. They 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 hold a note. I mean, there's there's something real, and it's not like a, but whatever. Yeah, it's a promissory note. When they decoupled from from the from the dollar, when they finally because it was artificially deflated, the the yuan, the Chinese currency, was artificially deflated for several years, and then. Right, it's 2015, 2016, or something like that. They, they they disconnected, so it was a floating currency on its own. And one of the things that I think that would be valuable is for me to sit back and look at like how do you want like if they have anything that connects to anything concrete with regards to their currency, or is it just something that is uh, like through faith, which is ultimately what you're suggesting about the dollar. The only thing that keeps the dollar moving in a certain direction is faith, because we all share a certain kind of interest in the in the strength of the dollar. And when I say we, I mean everybody on the fucking planet at this point in time. Um, well, didn't you say that China and one other country has said no and we're going to use the yuan now? No, so Brazil and China are talking about uh, purchasing oil with, with the yuan, but it's not, 
I don't think it's in stone yet okay. exactly how exactly how it plays out. But but one thing that we have to accept and we have to know for sure is that this is going to happen. This is not it's not a question of if it's a question of when now. But so the most important thing for us is to make sure that when these uh, other currencies gain strength, that that the dollar is part of it's one of the legs that's holding the one of the one of the legs of the pyramid, you know. As long as we're part of what makes the system continue to function with the existence of our currency, then we'd be on one end, the, the pound sterling would be on another one, the yuan most certainly would be on another one, and then whatever, you know, like the yen, what you know, I mean, it's, as time goes on, the euro uh, would, would have something to say about that. Although, because of the way that the euro has been used to basically create like these uh, Servant countries, which is what it really looks looks like, uh, the the ones that uh, keep borrowing money and are locked into those debt cycles. Because ultimately, just quickly with the Varoufakis thing, when he was the finance minister, he kept saying no. But the guy who was president of of Greece in Shariza, he did a midnight midnight deal with them, and he said yes. And then Varoufakis quit because he said you're 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 doing a stupid thing. You're just locking us into a permanent debt cycle. It'd be, it's just like if you, the the way that the IMF and the World Bank and if you're borrowing money from it's exactly the same thing. Yeah, that that's why mm -hmm. like Dairo hated the IMF mm -hmm. as much as he did because of Colombia and just the debt cycle. Yeah, we and we repeat just to keep him under their thumb. That, that, like one of the guys that I used to read a lot, uh, Stephen Gill, he talk about. Uh, these two concepts, new constitutionalism and uh, disciplinary neoliberalism, neoliberalism. A lot of people talk about neoliberalism, but he was talking about a very specific phenomenon where if you wanted to be, if you wanted to have access to the global political economy, if you wanted to be integrated into it, you had to change your legal structures, your constitutions inside of your countries to protect foreign direct investment, to make sure that you wouldn't have a Venezuela emerge, you know, like what happened with the oil down there. And, uh, you have to structure, um, so that's that's the new constitution, disciplinary neoliberalism. Like if you fuck up, then we're going to use these heavy-duty austerity programs to to whip your economy back into shape. But if you even deviate from that path at all, then we're gonna we're gonna pull your money, we're gonna fuck you up, and you're gonna be fucked for fucking ever. So I'm I, sure Dyro felt that way. Yeah, I, I mean, and he's not the only one. I mean, I talked to other people from South America that that felt I guess similarly um but you know I've never seen how much the World Bank is is loaning these people and what the interest looks like and you know I I know I've heard that they're changing the rules as far as land ownership throughout Central and South America to where you know, it used to be these really strict inherited things. Like, I mean, even if you didn't have a, a son or a daughter, then a cousin could get it or whatever. I mean, to keep that land in the family. And from what I've heard, again, haven't yeah. done the research myself, sure. but that isn't the case anymore in a lot of these countries. So, and I have a sneaking suspicion that it's just so that 
you know, somebody can go down and say, fuck you, I'm taking your diamonds, yeah. or fuck you, I'm taking your oil, or whatever. Yeah, we're liquid, and we're going we're gonna to buy up your assets. Well, right. and, and also, kind of, and I mentioned on a different uh, episode, but the ejidos, the concept in Mexico, where you had communal land grants, like what, I mean, when Chiapas, like, basically went to war against the United States and the, the Mexican government in 94, when NAFTA was signed, it was... Uh, in response because they wanted to maintain the right to legal um, communal land land ownerships, you know, a totally different, like non-private property position. So, yeah, they, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm sure it's because of access is definitely for one and it's that they want a certain structure of uh, like legal ownership to be the only, the only game in town at all. One of my, one of my buddies, um, that one of the kids that used to be in our uh, alternative political thought reading group, um, Stephen, like they, they were always trying to do these communal house purchases, and uh, they get huge. I mean, it's funny, like Denver City Council, like coming out against them, like horrible. Like there was all these articles that I that you'd show me, where they were just talking about them as if, you know, they were just perverts or trying to mess up family values or whatever, like uh, ad hominem uh, attack that you could put on somebody to to say this is not the right way to be raising children or a safe environment to, you know. And who the fuck are they to say something like that? I mean, they believe in freedom so long as it's the right kind, you know. And some of us are freer than others, you know. <laughs> Fucking out of control. Um, so, i got to move this thing. i got to spin it just a little bit because I keep fucking knocking my leg and I know that that's going to make a loud thump into the... But we let them know. The, the loud thump was coming. Boom. Um, so, fuck, I can't even remember where we were on taxes before we started yeah, we, going we down, uh, a we couple of rabbit holes. Um, so, do, do we want to circle back to taxes? How can we tie the land ownership? I mean, because we could talk about mill levies and shit like that, which are taxes, but those are taxes on a local level. Um, which would pay for your schools and, and stuff like that, in theory. Well, I mean, the interesting thing about going in that direction is that it sort of highlights the fact that the way taxes function on a state, you know, county, city level are way different than the way that they function on a state level, which is, I mean, on, on a federal level, which kind of like is similar to what the European Union versus the, the nation states inside of the European Union were having to deal with. Like they would have to, they actually did have to tax certain things to, to create, um, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, funds of money, like uh, revenue. That's surplus. They had revenue, so revenue. They, could, they could spend it on something. It, it isn't, like I said, the federal government, and especially the United States, is unique because it can print money. A state cannot print money. They have to get money through either from the federal government kicking it down to them or from mill levies or so which on, which they do. I mean, so like we talked about it a little bit on the syntax episode. Mm -hmm. So cigarettes um are, about syntax while are taxed by both the federal government and the state government. So if you've ever bought a pack of smokes in another state, you know, there's always a, a different tax stamp on there that makes sure, you know, that it's that whatever state. Um, gas is another one that like, and you can see the signs at a lot of the gas stations where it says, you know, 47 cents per gallon is federal, 
20 some, and I'm just making those numbers up, but you know, X number of cents goes to feds and X number goes to the state. And then the rest is, you know, the gas station and distribution and whatever. When you said the thing about the stamps, I was made me think about the Sopranos and like how, like when you'd steal a fucking uh, a trailer full of cigarettes, if you had them with the tax stamp on it, it made it look better because you could. Right, and they used to. I mean, that was another reason that the feds went after um, certain Native American reservations back in the '90s. It wasn't just the casinos. It was because, like, if you drove through New Mexico. Um, You'd see signs everywhere, cheap cigarettes, whatever, um, because they didn't have the state stamp or the federal stamp because there were supposed to be a sovereign nation. Um, Whatever the fuck that means. Right. (laughs) A sovereign nation in the middle of another sovereign nation who doesn't like it when you steal their money. Um, But you can eat mushrooms there. We'll let you eat mushrooms. Peyote. Here's a button. Did you see the size of that goddamn chicken? Did you see the size of that chicken? Um, so, yeah, I mean, they they are going to try to get pennies from us on some things and dollars from us on others. Um, safe is a set and a half. Uninvestable field. Right. <laughs> so, so we talked about, um, I can't remember which episode. I think it was the military budget episode. We talked about how basically 12% of the tax revenue was spent on the military and 11% of the budget was spent on education. So that 11% basically... You know, I mentioned the mill levy at the the local level paying for schools. So the way that that works is, you know, property taxes go to pay for schools. The state kicks that school district a certain amount of money. And then the federal government also kicks that school district some money. Um, the way the federal government decides how much of that 11% to kick to the different school districts is there are two different dates throughout the year where they do head counts on students and then they pay the school district X number of dollars per student that was in attendance that day. So there are school districts that really, really want you to fucking attend school on those two days because if you're missing they don't get their whatever the fuck it is, $578 per student or whatever. Yeah, it's important to get a good head count. But in the money that you get like from the federal government, it's all allocated by specific categories. So like, even if you're fucking short on being able to pay teachers right, I remember like in, in little to public schools, they'd always... Well, no, that's, that's the... That's the school district that does that budget. So the feds, when they kick the money to the school district, it's just X number per student. But then the school district, just like every other fucking organization in the government, does some fucked up budget where, go ahead with your example. 
Well, they just make you fucking use it for property, like property develop, like to make it uh, up to date, make it better. You can use this for technology, but you can only use it for whatever it is that's de- designated for. Right. You can't use it for. You can use it for athletics, but you can't use it for fucking academics. You can't use it for. Can't buy books. Can't buy books. Can't pay teachers. Right. And that's because of the way that the budgets work, which, again, I know it's not a household budget. I know it's more complicated than that. <laughs> but, you know, if you've got... If you've got within your government entity, you know, you've got this budget that says, okay, we're going to pay the cops, we're going to pay the fire department, we're going to pay... Uh, the parks, we're going to pay schools, we're going to pay all of these different groups within the state or within the federal government for that matter. And then if education comes up short or the cops come up short, you know, you would think that since these guys had, you know, $20 million over here at parks and they weren't using it because they didn't need to buy a new lawnmower, you could move part of that twenty million over to pay the cops because cops are. You could move some of that money over to pay cops, teachers, whatever. But you, it's everything is fucking siloized, and you can't move stuff from one budget to the other. And it's siloized, and it's temporarily locked too, because you get an annual budget, and you have to use up all that money during that annual budget, or else there's no carryovers. There's no way of re. Like this, we we are just like at the post office. I have to deal with this all the time too. Like, there's the assumption is that everybody that fucking works in the post office, like the all-seeing eye, the sort of like Jeremy Bentham fucking panopticon, is always over you whenever you work with the government. Because the relative assumption is, is that just the straight assumption is that everybody's either a thief or could be a thief, right? So they lock you into these hard cycles where. Like you said, siloized. The money goes here for this specific designation. Like you said, the cops, education, you know, that school district, the parks. And then the I guess the assumption is that because you can keep a close eye on what happens then and sort of like observe the accounting activities, unless, of course, it has to do with the, the military because the military can't fucking, hasn't passed the last five audits that they've done on it, or the Pentagon hasn't at least. But having said that, um, it's all siloized because everybody assumes that people are thieves or but then it's siloized again within those departments so if you've got parks and recreation then they can spend this much money on seed they can spend this much money on maintenance they can spend this so it's just all the way across and i don't honestly i don't think it's because they think that everybody's a thief i think it's because they know they are thieves and they want to get more money from i actually think that that's Because otherwise, and here's another example. Again, I know that this isn't a household budget, but every government budget I've ever seen works this way. Where I'm going to say that you're going to say that 13 times in both episodes. (laughs) And I'm going to take, so we'll set it at 13 and a half, and I'll take bets from anybody and uh, for over under. Plus or minus. And I'm going to take the over, and I'll give you two to one. (laughs) So, (laughs) so. It's with every government organization I've ever dealt with, whether it's a a city, a school district, whether it's the federal government, military within, you know, any of them, they 
generally, and it doesn't matter if it's calendar or fiscal year, but when that year comes up, they all have to spend their entire budget. Otherwise, they don't get their budget the next year, which is just such bullshit. They should be saying, you know what? You did a good job with your budget. You saved the government some money. There's interest coming to us because this money's still in the bank. Um, we're gonna give you we're gonna give you your budget again. And now you have more because you saved some from last yeah. year. And you got this that or you can you know your point about like uh them assuming everybody's a thief because they're a thief yeah they're they're straight projecting like they they know that they're they're running a game and they expect everybody that's around them to be running a game as well I think that's dude the- and it is a, a full-on fucking game i mean like again i don't understand why imagine if you were a little kid and you were getting an allowance, and your mom or dad said, here's your $5 for this week. Good job. And then the next week came around, and you hadn't spent your $5, and they said, well, what the fuck do you need $5 for? You didn't spend last week's money. Or imagine if you had a job that did that. Oh, well, we're not going to pay you this week because you didn't spend your last paycheck. It does teach people. The only reason why we got Chomsky to get to come down there was because the guy who ran student activities at Metro um, and I would like when Nick, we'd, we'd do all those things and bring all these people in. And uh, Zap was the name of the guy that uh, was running it. And he, he's like, he's like jolly because I was working in student government at that time. He's like, jolly, is, we got a huge chunk of money and, and we're coming up on the end of the fiscal year. Do you have any ideas of anybody that, that you guys would really want to see come? I said, I said, you know what? I know somebody that used to make time with David Barsamian, who was a good buddy of, of Chomsky, right? He'd come and talk on KGNU with uh, with Chomsky here and there. And uh, I was like, you know, let me talk to this, this person. And uh, she talked to him. He talked to, you know, and we ate up all the money. And it was, it was a cool thing because you get to bring Chomsky out. And he, he didn't take that money and go and, himself up in hotels he had a bunch of people that worked for him that were doing research so that he could continue to like turn out all the academic work that had all this really cool history on it but having said that the logic that created the space for us to go and do it in the first place is absurd it's just stupid we had twenty two thousand dollars we have to spend it help me spend this twenty two thousand dollars so that's just yeah instead of being intelligent yeah and like what kind of a lesson does that teach you now luckily you know a five-year-old doesn't see the lesson because they don't understand probably what the federal government even is. But adults should see that and say, what the fuck? But again, it's just so that they can continue pulling more. And so I know at the beginning of the thing, I said, they're not necessarily trying to get more when they raise the debt ceiling. And I believe that. But they are trying to get more constantly. They'll figure out a new way to generate this tax or that or, you know, whatever. Um, You know, paying for your fucking license plates that some fucking prisoner stamped out. 
um, for a nickel and they charge it $345, they're gonna they're gonna try to get every fucking penny that they can from you. And this is something that I thought was kind of funny because um, I pulled up the the Treasury.gov website to look at the money, and um, I haven't given you any of these figures during this uh, this episode. But here it says the U.S. government has spent. $3.15 trillion in fiscal year 2023 to ensure the well-being of the people of the United States. And that fucking sentence just makes me laugh. Like, really makes me laugh. Um, compared to the same period last year, um, from October of 2022 to March of, or I'm sorry, October of 2021 to March of 2022, they spent $2.79 trillion during that same period. So it has definitely increased, but that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the debt ceiling. What we've got to do is figure out how to get these motherfuckers to budget themselves more appropriately. Um, I'm not sure if I, I told this fucking story or not, but, you know, back when smoking was still allowed at most places, the Navy spent, I think it was $400 per ashtray mm -hmm. because these ashtrays were made of this special polycarbonate or some shit so that it wouldn't shatter when it dropped to the floor and their justification for those expensive fucking ashtrays were that they would go on subs and they couldn't have broken ashtrays all over the submarines now back then they made these aluminum ashtrays that they had at basically every fast food restaurant they were i don't know maybe four inches in diameter, you know, made it cheap fucking aluminum, and you could probably buy 12 fucking boxes of them and have thousands and thousands of ashtrays that wouldn't break on a submarine for the same price as one. I tell you, if, if you're going to pay $400 for an ashtray, that ashtray better give me a, a therapeutic erotic <laughs> massage or something like that. <laughs> on, on the regular, you're stuck on a you're stuck on a submarine. Yeah, know? or fucking X-ray vision, or something yeah. fucking cool. But so, they they so do that a lot. And I know, so there are certain things, you know, Tomahawk missiles. We probably need to pay that much because there's only so many companies that can make a Tomahawk missile. But a Phillips screwdriver you probably don't need to pay more than, I don't know, five or 10 bucks for a Phillips head screwdriver. Um, specialty tools, again, to, you know, maybe work on aircraft or, or subs or whatever. Something that you can't buy at, at Home Depot or, or O'Reilly Auto Parts. Um, you know, maybe spend more on that. I can see the justification there because it's a specialty item, but 
everyday regular shit, printers for the offices, office chairs, paper, ashtrays, whatever the case is. They don't have ashtrays at offices anymore. No, they don't. But just just spend the the regular amount. And I tried to look at, at different organizations and their budgets, and I could find their entire budgets, and I could find line items like office supplies, but it would just be one big fat fucking figure, and it didn't say what what was included in office supplies. So, you know, I mean, I could have done some guessing and assumed this and that to figure out how much they spent on a pen, but... I do the purchasing at my post office, right? So sometimes when I'm getting something, and it, so there's a commodity category, and a lot of the a lot of the things that are in there, like toilet paper, there's like a default category that that's going to show. But about 20, 25 percent of the time, I have to put what it's going to show up in in that line item position to where it goes back to the the budgets and shows what these purchases were were done for. Right, but that probably, I mean, since you're at that station, then that goes to the the postmaster general of Denver, and then his budget goes to the postmaster general for the region, and then that one goes to I don't know. And my, point, my point is is that. I put some, because I just was curious, I put some dipshitty answers in every now and again. Because, I mean, there's a, there's, a, there's all these different categories. But for the line items. Pick. I just, yeah, I just, when I, I pick, you know, this, sometimes it's like, I don't know, like for the air, tra- air, air traffic control people, you know, and, and that's for like toilet brushes or something like that. I mean, just because, <laughs> only to make the point, because maybe someday somebody goes back and audits and they're like, why did this dipshit do that? Well, I did it because the way that you guys are doing it is asinine. Will they let you, okay, would they let you do something crazy like buy $800 Mont Blanc pens for everybody at the post office? So I have, I have, I, at your post office? I have three reviewers, right? So I put it through and uh, this person in finance looks at it, and then this other person looks at it, and this other person at the top of finance looks at it for the Colorado Wyoming district, right? But my current manager, and I won't um, say anything more more beyond that, he can go in and change my approvers. So he's all three of my approvers now. Now, having said that, somebody might come back and you know bitch about that at some other point in time. But if they go look and see what I bought, you know, I, I, I buy my tool pens, you know, that's like the, the biggest expenditure that I, and, and I, and I buy those because I don't want to buy the, the other super gel ones. Because right, those, but those are like a buck 50 each or something, right? These ones? Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I get them. They're like 80 cents. Each. Oh yeah. It's not horrible. How dare you I know, spend I'm, I'm 80 evil. cents But on if you get pen. those other super gel, the pen, the, you know, the pen, I can't remember, paper mate ones or something. Those yeah. are fucking expensive as shit. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that, even though this is not, because you've got to be smart. Like if I'm going to be in that job, I, I got to at least be, be thoughtful, you know, but I mean, I control the flow of everything with regards to expensive things. Like I keep them stashed. If a carrier wants them, they got to come talk to me about it. If there, there's one carrier that came to me, uh, it's about two months ago and, uh, she's a goofball, but she says, uh, the one carrier that was on this route, um, 
he said that he purchased the heaters that are in his sheds. This, so that big like apartment and uh, townhome units where you'd have like two or 300 units and you go into the shed and you deliver the mail in those sheds. But there's a there's an electrical outlet so you can put heaters in there, yeah. which is great for the fucking website. Or radios yeah, or something, whatever. Something to keep you going. Um, but this individual said, uh, this person said that they bought them, but I know they didn't buy them. Somebody told me that. And I was like, I was like, dude, I... I know you're talking about it, and if that person said that they bought them, they bought them. There's, there's no, and that person said, well, can you buy them for me? I said, I said, I said, if, if you want them bought for you, you go talk to one of them over at the desk and let them buy it for you because I'm not gonna. I'm not putting my, my name on I'm that. Not, exactly. So, I mean, I really try to be thoughtful. You know, I mean, you, you got to get the carriers headlamps. You got to get the carriers the, the hot the hot things for their shoes and for their gloves when they go out during the winter time. The cleats for their shoes so that they're not slipping and killing themselves on the they ice. don't have to buy those themselves no but i mean we as long as they do what they're supposed to it's not something we're supposed to have to re, repurchase now we have to purchase the wheel like the chains and then they have these uh, uh like or you know like a plastic product ones that they use that are easier to get on and get off and they waste those like there's no fucking tomorrow i spent i spent probably fifteen thousand dollars this winter on on those and i hate that like it kills me every time because of how much um i just think if they took care of them a little bit better they'd you'd be you could probably cut that in half pretty pretty easily but when they bring in carriers they're not training them properly in the first place anyway so they have to figure it out on their own and if they have to figure out on their own they're going to fuck up three or four times which means they're going to ruin three or four pairs at 70 bucks a piece so that's 200 dollars, 250 dollars you know out the door so so at most of my jobs you know, I've had budgets to do marketing within my territory. So I could do mailers if I wanted to. I could do whatever. Could you I take can them to Nuggets games? Take people to dinners, sporting events, shit like that. I mean, on more than one occasion, I've done a suite at the, the Rockies game. Um no therapeutic but, erotic massages, though? No. Well, maybe. I mean, as long as that wasn't the line item that I put on it. But <laughs> I knew that I had a budget. And that budget came from the marketing department at headquarters, and it came down. Now, the thing was, is that if I didn't use it, they could move it to another region or whatever. Um, but there were some of these salespeople. I tried to get the most bang for my buck where, you know, I would hit the most people or it was the sales that were worth the most amount of money or whatever the case is. Some of these, I know one chick spent like fucking $10,000 on three or four cookie bouquets to be sent to people. Cookie yeah. Like, like a flower thing? Yeah, big fucking cookie things that said this and that. And Who wants fucking three grand worth of cookies? I don't know. There was another one that spent a bunch of money on shoes that were customized that said the company name on them. Now, who the fuck is going to want to wear a pair of shoes that says whatever? Something that isn't that shoe. Um, Nobody. Unless it was like a Manolo Bolonic, you know, and it was, you know, some like Carrie Bradshaw from Sex in the City. But even even then. Yeah, I don't I, I don't. Well, no, they were like tennis shoes, like Nike 
that were now customized with different colors. Were they Jordans? I don't know. But they were fucking expensive. And to boot, it ended up being like at some fucking expensive-ass brewery. So they, you know, had a big dinner and all of these shoes. So it was just a huge fucking waste as far as I'm concerned. But that was her budget. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, if... This is a private private company. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's still. But that's the point: is that they designed a budget up here, and they could move money around. You know, if there was something that needed to be done in the east, they could move some of the money from the west. Um, they won't let these guys do that. Yeah, I know. Sorry for banging on the table. Um, which doesn't make any fucking sense. So, I don't know. There's. There's a lot that we could talk about with regard to taxes. We're already at an hour and five minutes for this episode. I'm not trying to cut us short. I'm just trying to figure out where we want to go and what we're talking about in the the second half of taxes and your government. Our government. Their government. The government. A government. He, she, her, him, his, they, their government. We'll, we'll get there. Did that cover that? We'll get there. Yeah, we're gonna that, we're gonna Can talk you... about all those iterations of government as it relates to taxes. <laughs> and I'm gonna keep eating my my uh, maple sausage bacon. Okay, so I guess we can go over the overview, and I I know what I'm gonna open the the next half with. What, because, what are you gonna open with? Well, if I tell you, then I'm closing with it. No, but you you, you can give me an idea. You know, it's, no. it's a segue. It's so, a um, I, I've been thinking about this for a while, and, and I don't know if this is part of the problem or not. But, you know, when our forefathers came up with all of this shit, because the crown was definitely fucking us over. I mean, and I think, you know, so they say that, the the tea was kind of the final straw, but I think it was the Stamp Act that really bothered everybody because it was basically every fucking piece of paper that, you know, was in the, the colonies was being taxed. And the tea was probably just a good way for them to throw it in into the bay and make a statement. Yeah, but, we love symbolism in moments like that. Um, you know, they said, no taxation without representation. And I don't know if we, as a people, understand what they that truly means. And, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk about, because I think, I don't know, this is the only thing that makes sense to me. Well, you know what? Now I am closing with it. So we can open with it. For I, I kind of want to talk about that, because I think on some level, People must think that that means they're going to get some sort of bill or summary or or something, and that's the representation of it, because I'm pretty sure what our forefathers meant was representation by the people that we vote for every every election. Right. So that's the representation, and we should be trying to be represented by people that 
are similar to us or have our best interests in mind. And these people that are being elected are making sure that, you know, corporate tax is almost nil. They're making sure that there are all kinds of fucking loopholes like, you know what? Um, why don't you go ahead and let your fucking bank give you a line of credit on your stock options and then you don't have to pay any tax. Yeah. We, we, little of, little things like that. There's a lot of places we can go that are, there's actually a piece of legislation coming out um, because people are talking so much shit about Nancy Pelosi and her husband and about the, the way that they've been fixing their stock positions ultimately for all this time. And uh, so there have been a lot of people pushing for legislation to uh, basically to where you would uh, divest yourself of investments while you're in a position as a public servant. But in the construction of the existing uh, legislation, it's it's one loophole after another loophole after another. It's 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 all about it's cosmetic. It's it's for appearances, and it doesn't actually deal with any of the problems. But I think the taxation without representation will be a wonderful segue into the next episode. All right, here we go. Then we are out of here. Um, Seven two zero three three four roll and short bus debate club at yahoo.com. Uh, we will see you in the second half.